Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. Coming up, Lisa Belkin. She's the author of Comfort Cooking for Bariatric Post-Ops and Everyone Else. Chief John Lane will join us from the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. It is Fire Prevention Week, and former Winnipeg Jet Jordy Douglas will be here to talk some hockey. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. Lisa Belkin, uh, how are your parents, first of all? They're doing great. Thank are they? Thank you so much for asking. Yep, yeah. they're, they're absolutely fabulous. We're neighbors, yeah. basically, up at the uh, <laughs> at the lake in Sandy Hook there. And That's Jackie right. and I got married on our lakefront property. And your parents are right next door. Well, you and your parents next door. And uh, sort of served as a parking lot. And you were at the wedding. And so I've come to know you over the years. That was a great day. It was a great day. And we have both, Lisa, you and I have both struggled with our weight. Absolutely. And uh, what year did you have your lap band? I had it done in 2011, in yeah. June. Mm-hmm. June of 2011. And I have had great luck with mine. I'm now over 230 pounds. I've sort of plateaued now. I mean, I'm still losing, but I'm not losing the big weight, which I was. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that your book addresses. The book is called Comfort Cooking for Bariatric Post-Ops and Everyone Else. And it's a great, big, thick book. And one of the things you experienced was... Regain, And that happens a lot when people get these bariatric surgeries. They lose, and then they start to gain. That's because exactly right. Because why? Yeah. Essentially, well, you haven't changed the way you eat, I guess. That's eh? exactly it. And the thing is, the surgery really corrects the internal part. It, mm-hmm. you know, reroutes the stomach, cuts up the stomach and reroutes the intestines. Whatever the procedure Whatever is you the have, Because proce- yeah. there are different kinds mm-hmm. of bariatric procedures. But the problem is, is that it fixes the physical part. It doesn't fix really what's going on inside in the brain. And it doesn't address the addictions that some people have with Mm -hmm. food. And it really does not teach you how to eat properly. It's just, you know, the surgeon does their job and that's it. And you're basically on your own. Mm -hmm. And so what we found is, and it's not just me, there are thousands and tens of thousands of people who have had bariatric surgery who find about two to five years into their surgery or after uh, Mm post-surgery that they're having regain. And there are groups around uh, online and offline that have over 60,000, 70,000 people who have had regain, significant regain. Mm. And even the Mayo Clinic and other medical institutions have done research on regain after bariatric surgery and found that after three to five years post-op, about 50% are experiencing significant regain. This is in their studies. Mm -hmm. So it is a big problem, and it's really not being addressed by the bariatric, um, you know, the community, the um, surgeons, and the centers, the people who do, um, you know, do the bariatric surgeries themselves. So this is a cookbook, but it's also, it talks about your experience, your regain. And so what has your, so what, what's the basic message you want people to get from this, uh, this book for people who've had the surgery and are worried about regain or are experiencing regain? Well, I think my regain happened because I listened to the experts and, you know, we've been told, you know, for decades, even growing up, everything in moderation. Mm. If you do everything in moderation, you're going to be good. And so when when I had the surgery, of course, you know, we have a portion control mechanism that's built in now. So we really can only take in a certain certain amount of food. And I was so thrilled that, you know, everything I could just, everything that I wanted, I could sort of work it into my program and just have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. 
And what I found is after two or three or four years, I started to notice even taking in smaller amounts of the things that really I should have stayed clear of, we st- I started to see the regain and I started to panic and I was very disappointed because after such a drastic yeah. you know, uh, measure of having a surgery, here I am and I have regain and it was embarrassing and very frustrating. So there was not a lot of help out there for me to f- figure out a solution. And so what I found was is that I was eating things that I really should have stayed clear of, mainly things that are very high carb, like yeah. crackers, bread, mm-hmm. um, potato chips, you know, sugar stuff. And what I found out was is that I was never able to moderate those foods even after surgery. Mm. And so I decided that I was going to figure out my favorite foods and cut out the high fat, the high carb, and the sugar from those things. And so I basically revamped all my favorite recipes and there's where the book came in. And I found that it did a wonderful thing for me. It made me feel like I wasn't missing out on anything. And the regain was, I was able to, you know, tackle my regain. Get that under control. That's right. The scale was going in the right direction. And it was wonderful. And I wanted to share this revelation and yeah. solution with the struggling, and I call it a struggling bariatric community. Yeah. Because there are many, many people who are facing the same challenges. Yeah. I've been very lucky. I've been able to eat kind of whatever I want. You're mm-hmm. right. My new stomach says when. I've had enough, and right. if I go over that, I pay, of course. and I don't yeah. want to pay. Yep. So, so far for me, it, it's been great. But you're right. For example, I am a cookie fanatic. So I don't know if you knew that, but you brought in <laughs> some cookies, and these are cookies that you made, and yes. this recipe is in the book. Yes. So these cookies, I'm sure, taste great. I haven't tasted them yet. They are fabulous. So they what's are... what's not in these cookies now that will help me or, or someone okay. like me avoid regain? Okay. Well, first of all, let's just talk about cookies or sweets in general. Yeah. The sugar content, the the, car, the sugar load, when you have a cookie, and I'm, I'm saying when I have a cookie or people who have had bariatric surgery have had a cookie, and usually those are people who have grown to over 300 plus pounds, mm-hmm. they can't stop at one cookie. Yeah. Why? Because of the sugar. When, there's, when the body has this huge influx of sugar, there's something chemical going on and they cannot stop at one cookie. It's mm-hmm. like you can't have one Oreo, you got to have the whole sleeve, yeah. you know? Some people the, are able to stop yes. at, at one or two, but Absolutely. some aren't and, and, so, and that's and you and me. That's right. So those people who are able to stop at one cookie or two cookies, they don't require bariatric surgery. They don't need their stomachs cut out mm-hmm. because they've never grown to be obese. But people who have, you know, who have grown to be obese, they can't usually stop at one cookie and that's the problem. Yeah. And the cookie itself, the sugar is like cracks. So it kind of triggers this um, hormone, which is, of course, the um, dopamine, you know, hormone that the brain releases. And it just, it's like a crack addict or an Mm. alcoholic. You can't stop at one. You just have to keep on going. And there you go. And that's what happens. And that's why regain regain happens. Mm -hmm. So as the further out from surgery you you are, you can actually eat around your surgery. You find things that go down smoothly that you're... Stum- your stomach feels okay with, mm-hmm. and you can sort of eat cookies that are very soft and, you know. Yeah. So what these cookies have that the regular cookies don't have is the sugar. Mm. These are made with Truvia baking blend, so they don't have that sugar load. Right. The flour is so cut down, so there's only a quarter cup of flour in the whole entire recipe coupled mm. or paired with uh, almond flour. Mm. So one cookie really is enough. Now, cookies are not something that you should be having every day anyways. No. Desserts, pies, cookies, cakes should be really reserved for 
um, you know, special occasions like mm-hmm. birthdays and guests and holidays and that sort of thing. And yeah. so there are options for mm-hmm. people like us so that we don't fall off the rails totally yeah. by saying, okay, I'm going to have an Oreo. And then we can't stop at one mm-hmm. Oreo. So. Yeah. Now, the great thing about this book, and it's right in the title, Comfort Cooking for Bariatric op, uh, bariatric Post-Ops and Everyone Else. Right. Because everybody else can benefit from these great recipes and the advice that you have in the book and all that other stuff, right? Because... Not everybody who needs to deal with weight takes it to the extreme that you and I have taken it to. Mm -hmm. They don't need to. And this book may be enough for them. Right. And there's lots of people, especially now, who are looking to cut their carbs, cut their sugar. A lot of people are going keto. I I don't agree with keto as a long-term solution because Mm -hmm. of the high fat. So, um, but... For people who don't need bariatric surgery but want to eat a little bit healthier and they want favorite comfort food recipes made healthy, this is a fabulous option. Plus, all the recipes are family-friendly. So if you've got a family to, to cook for, everything in the book is, you know, for the finicky eater, nobody's going to complain and nobody will even know that the recipes have been healthified. Yeah. They're that good. Right. And how many recipes in there? Because it is a big, thick book. Yeah. There's over 95 recipes, all full-colored pages. Yeah. So every recipe has a, a photograph, you know, a corresponding photograph. Yeah. And so, yeah, over 95 recipes, everything from appetizers all the way down to um, desserts and everything in between, sides, entrees. Fantastic. Well, anything else you want to get out there? We got to mention, of course, uh, McNally Robinson tomorrow night, 730. That's the launch here in Winnipeg. People will see you get the book. You'll sign it for them, all that kind of stuff. And I'll be giving a little presentation um, about my story, just a quick 15-minute presentation. I will also have some goodies for everybody to taste from the book. Thank you. We will enjoy these. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're very welcome. And uh, any final thoughts then before we wrap it up, Um, Lisa? I think we've covered basically everything, and I really appreciate you having me on your show. So thank you so very much. Yeah, no, you're a great person. Your parents are fantastic people, and I'm I'm happy for you that you've done this. Uh, you're that kind of person, you know. We often struggle with our own uh, demons, and you've decided to try and help other people with theirs as well. And so that's I, that's I really, the bottom line. Yeah, that's and I think that's line. wonderful that you've done that. Uh, Lisa Belkin again tomorrow night, seven thirty. McNally Robinson. If you're interested, the book is called Comfort Cooking for Bariatric Post Ops and Everyone Else. It is uh, Fire Prevention Week, and uh, joining us now on the phone to talk about is Chief John Lane. Good afternoon, Chief. Hello, Hal. How was your trip to Lord Nelson School this morning? It was inspiring. The the students were very attentive, and uh, the welcome that we received was, uh, was quite gracious. And what was the message to students there? Well, the message this year is look, listen, learn, be aware. Fire can happen everywhere. Uh, So we use Fire Prevention Week, uh, especially in the schools, to really drive home uh, fire safety messages with with young students because we find they are uh, certainly the most effective way to get the fire safety messages into their homes. Is Fire Prevention Week at this time of the year for a reason? We're sort of heading into a busy season for fires, aren't we? Uh, the winter is often a, uh, a time when uh, uh, we're beginning to use more things that produce heat. Uh, we're firing up furnaces and wood stoves and uh, and fireplaces and that sort of thing, uh, uh, space heaters, um, and and uh, more of those things are, are being used more frequently. So yes, it is. Uh, um, there is greater opportunity uh, for um, for fire 
Talk about some of the other stuff you've got going. I know you've got drills happening at schools. You've got an open house uh, as well at the fire stations. Tell us about the week. A number of activities uh, every day. We'll be uh, in the media uh, just about every day this week with uh, various messages. Um, I, Saturday, there is the open house at uh, at each of the fire paramedic stations. Uh, so we certainly encourage the, the public to uh, partake of those. Uh, and... Uh, uh, just really a, a number of activities that will come home with uh, with uh, students from uh, various schools this year. And I know Canadian Tire is involved this year. Tell us about that. Uh, well, Canadian Tire is a, a very uh, um, constant supporter of uh, Fire Prevention Week, and uh, they're involved with uh, with our goal of having a smoke detector in in every resi- residence in uh, uh, in Winnipeg and, in fact, in the country. And maybe we can end on a final message here, Chief. Uh, well, I'm really just going to repeat the uh, theme of the week. That's uh, look, listen, and learn, be aware. Uh, fire can happen anywhere. So we encourage everyone to uh, look around their homes, um, um, make sure that their, uh, that their smoke alarms are, are working. Uh, we're coming up to the time change, so that's the, uh, uh, the time when we uh, traditionally uh, check our smoke alarms. And uh, be aware of the hazards that uh, that exist and, and try to minim- minimize them as much as possible in, in people's homes. Chief Lane, I hope it's a safe year for Winnipeggers and also for your men and women. Thanks so much, Hal. As we get ready for the home opener tonight, but eventually we get to it once all the buttons are turned on and everything is where it's supposed to be. Jordy Douglas joins us now. Jordy, the Winnipeg Jets are certainly back for another season. Are you excited? Um, uh, like everybody else, hell, absolutely. And it's the best the best time of the season because every team, all thirty one, have equal opportunity to win the cup when they start out of the gates like they do now. Yeah. Any concern at all that they had a win and then a loss before now, or or is that uh, whatever? Yeah, you know, look at their training camp schedule, Hal. They had a really discombobulated training camp. They they never really had their quote-unquote team together. That's what camp's for. You know, they used to be to get in shape. Now it's about being in shape, but getting the lineup working – and and you know what they had a great first game in St. Louis, uh, uh, to be expected. That that's kind of how they're going to play. And I I just thought that they you know in Dallas Dallas give them credit. They had a heck of a game. I watched that game. They were flying and Jets just couldn't get their engine going. And yeah. that that's not a panic at any stretch of the imagination. They're just they they're trying to play together as a team again. And and it'll take it takes a little bit of you know it takes a few games to get the rust out so to speak. Sure. You know, we've been talking a lot about expectations and after last year after that deep run in the playoffs, what are the expectations for this team this year? Jeff Courier asked me at the end of his show what my expectations are. I'm not a yeah. big hockey guy, but for me I say if they don't make the playoffs, that will be disappointing. What would disappoint you? Well, you know, look at the First things first. Look, they had great success last year. A lot of a lot of good things fell in place for them, and I know all those good things have to happen again. Uh, every team runs into the same challenges. That's called injuries. You don't know, you know, who goes down and for how long. Uh, Jets were blessed for the most part last year with not having those concerns, 
And they also played an incredibly consistent game of hockey. I mean, they played the same game all the time, and they they got very, very good at it. Uh, you know, making the playoffs, you know, they're at – they're uh, my opinion now is they're an upper echelon team. And the playoffs, you know, I don't want to say it's a given, but that's that's – that's a minimum, you know. Yeah. That's a minimum for them. Uh, their expectations. I, I said this to a friend the other day. I, you know, where the fans have expectations, players have far more that they expect of each other and of themselves than the fans could imagine. The, you know, these guys they got a taste of it last year, Hal, and they want to taste more of it. Um, and so they're they've got great leadership in that room. Uh, they're they're going to work through a lot of challenges this year because you got to remember now, Hal. Nobody knows the Jets are a surprise anymore, so to speak. Yeah, they know that this is a team well prepared. Some pundits are picking them to go deep. A lot like, of pundits are picking yep. them to go all the way. You bet, and that puts—I mean, that—that—that that, that, you're not off the radar now. You're officially on the radar from the point of view of all 30 other teams, and it's—you know, Hal, it's a wonderful conundrum the Jets have created for themselves. They've they've drafted incredibly well. They, you know, their depth is terrific. They've got great young talent, but that talent now is starting to shine, and and so they they're all vying for ice time, and they're also vying for checks. They're all getting pay raises, and yeah. that becomes the next you know stumbling block is the salary cap. I mean, you know, with injuries, and, and you know, can they you know if they're at the top top end of the salary cap. It's tough to make changes or even slide players in the in the lineup if they start losing bodies. It's a, a lot of juggling that has to happen. Yeah. If you were to put the success or failure of this year at the feet of one player, it, it would be Connor Hellebuck, wouldn't it? Well, you know, goaltending, goaltending, I'm an old school guy, Hal, so I believe you build a team from the back end out, meaning from the goaltender out. Right. But collectively... It's your defense. You have great success when you limit the other team to chances, at primarily second or third shots, if you will. So I'm a big proponent that the success of the Jets comes, or any team, I guess, let's be generic. The success of teams comes from taking care of business in your end of the ice, making sure you're not given good scoring opportunities or second and third whacks at it. And, and you know, Connor Hellebeck has raised his game to, 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 to one of the premier goalies in the league. His expectation, what fans want of, of Connor Hellebeck is nothing more, is, is not anywhere near what Connor Hellebeck wants of himself. So, but, but he needs support. He needs the guys around him. He needs the defensemen to, to, to clear lanes and clear traffic and, and clear pucks. And it's a concert back there that, that really is going to help you know, the the Jets have success, and, and he'll be the last line of defense, as they say. Yeah, so you like the Jets, as a lot of people do. Who else do you yeah. like this year? Who else do you think might come from nowhere? Well, I, I don't know if they come from nowhere anymore. I mean, you know, we you know we, Vegas, you could say, came from nowhere last yeah. year. But, but the reality was those were a lot of guys. I said that the problem the problem Vegas has is nobody knew in the room who, who to count on, so they all did it themselves. <laughs> yeah. You know, she so had 20 guys that said, well, I'm not going to look across the room to do it. I'll just friggin' do it. And they had great success. So I don't, I don't, you know, I think some teams have really improved themselves. I think, obviously, San Jose is, is, is making a run. That, you know, adding Carlson is incredibly important. Uh, I think Tampa Bay has a just a well-rounded team. I think Washington has a, you know, they want to do this again. I, if You know, you saw all the video and all the highlights. 
I, I, I don't know. There must have been two cups. Ovechkin had one all summer, and then everybody else had the other cup because he was everywhere with that cup. Yeah. So, um, you know, Dallas looks so good. I mean, I, it is so hard, Hal, to win. Yeah. People got to understand it's it's a long no, season. It's it's a you know what the, it's a cliche, but it's a fact. It's a marathon. This is not a sprint. You know, this is making sure a lot of things happen along the way that benefits you, you know, and I'm talking about injuries and I'm talking about success, players achieving their level of expectation, so Mm -hmm. to speak. You know, a lot of things have to happen for every team to have success. Jordy, thanks a lot. I really appreciate this. Uh, No worries, Hal. uh, Let's just make sure we don't plan a parade route like they always do every year in Toronto. You know, (laughs) let's let's make sure they win before we plan that route. Fair enough? All right. Good stuff. (laughs) Thank you, Jordy. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.